Hey everybody, welcome back to The Collective. We have another fantastic show for you planned out today. Very excited, new face. We got Chris joining us today. I am pumped. This is going to be a great conversation now. While I am excited, y'all should be too. Like the show, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell, do all of that good stuff to get your emails in the morning whenever we go live, which is of course every day. Now, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, anything at all, by all means, put them up in the comment section and we will engage those directly throughout the show. And other than that, today we are going to be talking about perspective. And to gain some perspective, let's first get an intro. Chris, why don't you give us 10, 15 seconds, who are you, where you come from, all that good stuff, and then we'll dive into the conversation. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, yeah, my name is Chris Strom. Uh, I'm a retired NYPD uh, intel sergeant, uh, former Marine. Well, I'd say you're really never a former Marine. Uh, I'm 62 years old, and I... I live in uh, the beautiful rolling hills of uh, Roanoke, Virginia, and uh, happy to be on the show with you guys. Awesome. Looking forward to this convo. It's going to be good. So, uh, like I said, perspective. This is what we're going to be talking about. And I have a definition. Perspective. Your perspective is the way you see something. If you think that toys corrupt children's minds, and from your perspective, a toy shop is an evil place. Um, perspective in a direct definition is a way of regarding situations or topics, etc. It's the appearance of things relative to one another as determined by their distance from the viewer. So that's another piece of that. But when I talk about perspective, what are your first thoughts, Chris? I'm going to put you on the fire. What do you think? Yeah, well, listen, perspective is a lot like attitude and uh, how people view things. Uh, you know, and it comes down to probably a lot of imprinting and upbringing, uh, what you like, what you don't like. Um, and your thoughts and on certain things might be different than other thoughts. Uh, it, it really it's it's like religion and politics. Everybody's got an opinion, but not everybody's opinion is worth hearing about. So, uh, you know, maybe mine is more gravitated to a different uh, age demographic than it is with your with your guys. Uh, I'm sure it's different than what um, my children's, uh, which they're in their mid 20s what their perspective is on certain things in life. Um, but I think, you know, in general, uh, we all have a sense of what, you know, what's right and what's wrong and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate in, in terms of, you know, how we interact with people and things. Mm, I like that. Sean, what are your first thoughts? Well, my first thought is looking pretty good for 62, buddy. I'm 60 years I'm 60 years old myself, so uh, I think that between the two of us, we, we might have a little bit more perspective than Chance, and that's just age. It's not that Chance hasn't lived a, a good life or a bad life or a full life or an empty life. It's not about that. The longer you live, the more perspective you have, and even a year will make a difference in perspective, particularly if you're trying real hard to gain perspective. So how you spend your time what you do with your time, how you think about time. And as you get older in time, you tend to pay more attention to time. So I think you get more perspective on the back end than you did the front end. So I think we might be able to talk about a few things in this show today. <laughs> Maybe one or two. Uh, well, my first question, first thought on this is, you know, gaining perspective, because there are lots of people that I know that at your guys' age that have zero perspective <laughs> they have the exact same thought pattern th same thought process as they as they did when they were 20. so uh right off the bat i'm going to come back to you chris here how, how do you gain perspective well i i think you know in life there's there's a lot of ups and downs i mean uh no I, you know i was talking to uh, somebody the other day nobody really gets out gets through this life unscathed so I, I've had a lot of, uh, you know, setbacks in my life and I've had a lot of success in my life. And I think really, to be honest with you, um, and, and they say they it's been said many times before. I think when you experience failure, success is much more appreciated. That's just for me. Um, many times I had to do things twice to get what I want in life, sometimes three and four times. It just, you know, really had to apply myself. I was never really an exceptional student. So where some people never studied and got 95s and 100 on a test, you know, I studied and applied myself. And I was happy or, you know, or surprised when I got an 88 or a 90 on a test. So that's a perspective for me. Um, certainly, when you have children, uh, you know, in the beginning, I must admit, I was kind of selfish, you know, my wife, and I, uh, I was like, wow, this is, this is life changing. And I've gone from, you know, being the me to being the them, you know, meaning my children and my wife. So that perspective is certainly 
changed with age. Um, and, 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 and the experiences in my life have changed me, uh, and, and, and really taught me how to appreciate things a lot more. Absolutely. Sean, what are you thinking? Well, you raised the point of kids, Chris, and that's, uh, that's kind of cool because right now, uh, my wife and I are over in Malaysia. We've been on the road traveling for, uh, I guess, just coming up on a month now. And uh, this is our first trip without our boys. Uh, they've traveled around the world with us. They've been to lots of places. We're used to having them with us. But this is our first time away from them this long. And you know what? Those little knuckleheads are irritating when I'm around them every single day. But the moment that they're not around for a month, I'm missing them. So, um, you know, perspective is something that, uh, as they say, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And so uh, this trip has been uh, kind of fun to be away from the boys and a whole lot more cheaper, I might add. Uh, but uh, the idea of, uh, you know, we miss our dog, we miss our boys, we miss uh, friends, we miss our ski hill, we miss our mountain bike trails, we miss all of these things. But we're having a great time over here, and now we're in Singapore. Um, we're having a great time over here, but uh, absence from the things that we take for granted on the regular will give you perspective for sure. Interesting. I was, uh, I was thinking about this uh, earlier, speaking to Marsha, we had her on the show a little while ago. I was on her podcast yesterday and we were talking about perspective and the fact that, you know, a lot of the things that I look back on in my life now, 10, 20 years down the road, and I'm like, oh, I can't believe I did that back, back then. But that, that is the perspective that I think, uh, at least that I, I look back on and say, hey, you know what, if I'm not doing better than I was last year, let alone 10 years ago, let alone 15 years ago, then, uh, then, I, then I'm doing okay because I should be growing. I should be developing. I should be continuing. But I think the, the act of actively looking back on your history and then assessing how things work kind of delivers perspective. And were there any particular times throughout your life that were like really hard lines in the sand or, uh, definitive moments that gave you that kind of perspective? Chris, coming back to you, what do you think? Well, I could tell you, uh, I had a certain perspective of, of the Iraq war. And then, you know, having spent 15 months there, uh, it really changed me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an American. Uh, I, I love this country. I love, uh, the guys and girls in the military. Uh, there's no bigger fan, but when you see some of the things that were going on over there, uh, and again, when I was there, I was 48 years old. So definitely uh, the perspective and the lens that I was looking at things is clearly different, like I said, than when I was younger, 20 years old. And uh, that kind of perspective was was uh, a shock. Some of the things that I saw going on over there, um, the soldiers are soldiers. They're just great people, uh, you know, across the board. Um, but some of the things that was going on from the leadership perspective was really uh, disheartening. I'll just leave it at that. Absolutely. Sean, any thoughts on this? Yeah, a couple of thoughts, uh, and we can go in a couple of different directions, I suppose. So the first thought is to build up what Chris said. Uh, when I was in the military, um, operating in tier one, um, not everyone was uh, at the leadership uh, level, and I'm not speaking specifically when tier one, but you get a certain amount of clarity when you start operating at those kind of levels. There's some pretty disappointing stuff going on uh, within the Canadian Armed Forces as a whole, uh, but I didn't see that when I was a young buck, uh, a young private going through um, you know, whatever stage of my young military career, you just don't see it. You don't understand it. You can't see the clarity of it because you just haven't got a skin in the game at that point. Uh, so, you know, leadership um, is something that you learn to get better and you learn to gain clarity on uh, both internally and externally. Um, and I guess the second piece is, you know, speaking of the military, there are, when I was a young guy, uh, coming up through the system, uh, a lot of things, um, I was enamored by a lot of things and um, certain things were really appealing to me. But as you move through those stages of your military career and you start, you know, uh, cracking them out of the park, as it were, uh, you can kind of look back and, and think, why, why was I so excited about that? Or why was that such a big deal? Or while well, I'm doing it now, it doesn't seem that hard. And so timelines and adversity and velocity tends to give a certain perspective on what is hard and what isn't and and what what is possible and what isn't or more correctly 
there's nothing impossible. Uh, it's just a matter of how much velocity you apply against it. And so I find myself now, a lot of young bucks in my uh, Instagram DMs uh, hitting me up with, uh, uh, hey, how do I get to be you in the next two and a half weeks? I'm 17 years old. What do I have to do? So there's a certain perspective that they don't have yet because, you know, they're, they're still trying to find, uh, they're still, still trying to find their favorite ball cap. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, many years down the road, perhaps they'll have a certain perspective on uh, uh, the nonsense that they're uh, talking about now as a 17-year-old. So we could go in either direction. It's fine with me. I like this. Let's, uh, well, let's, let's dive down this little bit of leadership role because I think this is an important piece <clears throat> and I think it'll apply to what you're talking about with the, with the young bucks trying to uh, bypass some, some of the things that you need to do in order to get into tier one. But, um, you know, I remember when I was uh, a junior corporal and I thought, I know how this, I know how this place works. Like, <laughs> why is not, why are the things that I see needing to be done not being done? And it wasn't until I actually started working in the headshed that I started gaining that perspective and, do you think that there is any way to any way to actively gain that perspective without having to directly experience it? Let's put it that way. Chris, what do you think? I don't think so. Uh, I'm I'm one of these people that I'm very visual. You know, if I read things, I I I can understand it generally speaking, but I think I have to experience it. Uh, you know, I'll just talk about you know mechanics and things with cars. Like I look at a lot of videos. Thank God for Google. Uh, you know, because if you need to fix something, it could be anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be a car. It, you can pretty much find a video on how to fix it. So in, in terms of the leadership, um, I have to I have to experience it. I have to see it um, and for me to understand it and appreciate it. And uh, a, a lot of that is maturity. Let's let's be realistic. And a lot of that is is upbringing. You know, like when I was very young and I went into the military, you know, my whole world was a five mile radius. I really didn't experience any different cultures, different peoples. Um, you know, I live with my grandparents, so I was kind of sheltered. And, uh, you know, when you get into a group of people from across the country, um, it's just different. And and you could read about that. And I'm not sure, I'm, I'm sure you could read about that and gain some insight. But, you know, like Sean's a perfect example. He's traveling Malaysia. I mean, it, it's probably great to read about Malaysia, but it's, it's totally different and wholly, holistically different being there, eating with people, interacting with people and looking at you know, different cultures and, and, uh, and speaking with people in person in front of you. Absolutely. Sean, thoughts on this? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Chris uh, raises the uh, case study of uh, me being over here in Malaysia. Uh, you know, you can read about it and you won't understand it. You can also be here and not understand it unless you've been through enough of life or enough perspective that when you're walking down a street, you're absorbing the 360. If you're not situationally aware, all you're seeing is what's directly in front of your very tight arc of your Mark I eyeballs, and you don't see anything else. You don't feel anything else. You don't smell anything else. You're not aware of what's at your 6 o'clock or your 3 or your 9. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, if, you're, if, if, you've, if you've lived a good life, it's a good life to just look directly ahead. But our lives weren't that. I was on the 360. And so uh, what I see in front of me, I also see behind me. And so if you're situationally aware, you're absorbing massive amounts of, of bandwidth. All of the data is being absorbed like a black hole. You can't even stop it. It's, it's, as, it's as offloaded as blinking and breathing. You're not paying attention. You're just absorbing the data stream. And uh, if it's a really busy place, like uh, we were just downtown Singapore this afternoon, there's so much stuff going on there. And uh, there's so much consumerism and noise and everyone's doing their tourist thing. And at a certain point, it's fatiguing, man. I'm just kind of tired of it and I'm, I'm done. I don't want to be around it anymore. I could be around it if I had to be, if it was mission priority, but... I'm absorbing so much bandwidth that my perspective is I don't need to be here anymore. I want to bounce because I've absorbed enough. I know what the deal is and I want to move right along. And so um, a lot of people don't experience that because they're not uh, battle space situationally aware. And uh, if I could turn it off, if I could flick a switch 
and uh, just go straight into the uh, very tight arc that's immediately in front of my nose. It'd be fun, I suppose, but I wouldn't want it. But it sure would be an easy way to live at times. But again, I wouldn't wouldn't want it as a as a perspective. I hope that makes sense. I think that's uh, almost like an ignorance is bliss kind of thing. <laughs> but, uh, Chris, you got any thoughts on that? Well, I, I think it's great what Sean's saying because uh, you know, being a cop in the, in the NYPD for twenty years. Uh, you know, uh, I'd like to think I'm situationally aware and you know how I viewed things early on and, and, and so forth. But, uh, yeah, it would be nice sometimes to turn the switch off. I would have to be I'd be lying if I didn't say so, because what ends up happening uh, for me, uh, especially if I'm with my family, not so much by myself, because I'm really uh, more. I wouldn't say I'm as situationally aware, but I'm less. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm down to probably level six or seven instead of nine or ten when I'm with my family. So I don't really. I'm not so concerned about myself, but my children, especially when they were young, very concerned. And to the point where my daughter would say, uh, Dad, you're hurting my hand as we're walking through the parking lot of a shopping mall because I'm like, I'm not letting go of you. And uh, because I just, you know, that's just how it is. But uh, but getting back to the different perspectives and looking at things uh, when you're with your kids, especially when they're younger. Uh, and this this will probably be your experience, uh, Chance. It, when you go to like a theme park, like I'm just using Disney World as an example. And you see the excitement on their face and how they're interacting with this. I mean, like it's overwhelming, like emotionally. It's just so much fun to see them having fun as opposed to when you were maybe, you know, first, you know, first with your wife or your significant other and you're going there as as a couple. The, the experience is totally different. It's It's similar, but it's totally different in terms of appreciation and perspective. Absolutely. Sean? Anything to add? Yeah, I'm with Chris. I mean, uh, you know, you being a NYPD cop that long, uh, of course you're going to be situationally work, maybe even more so than I am. It's, But again, it's not a competition. I think you only need to li achieve a certain level of situational awareness that that's enough. <laughs> and so I think you've got enough. And so um, you raise the uh, next uh, amazing point that, if, if you're just floating through NY by yourself, it's pretty easy peasy. Same with me. If I'm just floating through Singapore by myself, it's pretty easy peasy. But when I'm with my wife, it's not that I'm responsible for her at all. I mean, she's not, I'm, I'm not the patrol commander and she's my two IC. It's not about that. But as soon as someone's attached to my hip, I'm responsible for them in my mind, whether they like it or not, and whether they're more competent than I am or not. I just can't shut it off. And even if I could shut it off, I wouldn't shut it off because um, it's it's a it's an organic thing to me. It would be like, hey, do you just want to give us your right arm for the day? That'd be cool. I'm not, I, I want to keep my right arm. And I also want to keep my sense of responsibility. I also want to keep my situational awareness. And uh, another fun piece is that uh, doesn't matter who it is. It's it's not my wife now that I'm using as the uh, individual for the example, but uh, she acts as a good proxy. It could be anyone. Um, I can move through the world easily enough that sometimes I just watch the world through their motions. I watch the world through their eyes. I watch the world through their interactions. I I watch their excitement, or I watch their startle, or I watch their you know their their smile, or I watch their frown. It doesn't matter what's going on. I, I, will, I will compartmentalize myself because I can, I can do the world without thinking and I'll, I'll ent entertain myself, but not like, a, like a, a circus act. I'll entertain myself with the fact that I can view the world through someone else's life, as it were. And it just adds a little bit of rich tapestry to mine. And, and it's also, as I like to say over here a fair bit, I like to gamify the game. And my game of moving through anywhere in the world is so not youngly easy, but it's so easy that it's fun to watch it through someone else's life, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I kind of want to dive into this a little bit and that that concept of responsibility for for others and that, I mean, the situational aware thing is 100% accurate. I remember coming back from Afghanistan and like, just, I was overly situationally aware i was looking i was looking for things rather than just being aware and i it wasn't until some time had passed that i gained some perspective on the fact that oh yeah right i'm in canada it's not <laughs> it's not afghanistan it's not the same thing um but 
the concept of having responsibility for someone is it's interesting because I don't hear it from a lot of other from people that aren't in military first responders police that kind of thing because I don't know if that sense of responsibility kind of exists outside of those realms I I, I can't say it doesn't exist but I don't see it as often and I, I from talking to my friends who aren't involved they don't really have it so just recently, my youngest, starting to be independent and wanting to do stuff on his own, he wanted to run off to the bathroom all by himself, and he's six, and my immediate thing was like, mm, you want to run through a mall by yourself, into a bathroom by yourself, that's a little tough. But in the moment, I had to take some perspective and look at it and say, okay, well, he wants to push his boundaries a little bit, and but I'm still responsible for him, so I'm going to allow him to push his boundaries but I'm going to keep a watchful eye on them. And so I'm wondering, do you guys notice that as well from the other people around? Is that you have to almost check yourself, especially dealing with kids or um, significant others or someone that you're attached to and that responsibility, that you have to kind of rein yourself in to not be overly, mm, I'm trying to think of the word for it, but protective, I guess. Chris, what do you think? <laughs> I think it's almost like a maternal instinct from a male perspective, if that makes sense. I just wanted to tag onto what Sean was saying. You know, when I'm in an airport, and I know we've all, both of us, all three of us have spent a fair amount of time in a layover situation. I like to people watch and I like to try and gain insight to like, all right, I look at this person. What does he do for a living? You know, where is he from? Where is he going? Try and guess which gate he's going to be. And then you watch how they interact with people at the ticket counter are they polite do they say please and thank you so i'm constantly looking at people's body language and their interaction with other people's uh are, are their kids you know you know very very uh, polite or are they holy terrorists you know you know where the mom and dad are constantly looking at them from a from 30 feet away as they're running around terrorizing people so uh i i you know i i think i think for me it's just it's it's just one of those things where when I see, when I see people, when I interact with people, it, it's, it's always interesting. It's always fun. Um, but, you know, getting, getting back to, you know, the question of perspective and things. Um, I, I, I just think that I, the age has a big bearing on it for me in terms of how I view things. Yeah, absolutely. Sean, any thoughts on this? Well, I'm going to echo what Chris just said. I'm very much a people watcher. And I don't know if it was if I was created to be that through, you know, that whole sniper thing, or if I was created, you know, through on a playground, I don't know where I was created to be that way. But I, I can sit down for an hour and people watch. It's best if the world walks past me as I'm sitting and watching it rather than me walking past the world. Maybe I'm lazy, but I can sit in an airport and watch and not move. We were, we just uh, came out of a city called Malacca and uh, there's an area in Malacca called Jonker Walk and it's quite popular with the tourists. Uh, you just cross across a little bridge and uh, I was on the other side of the bridge and I just sat my butt down on a piece of cement and uh, put my camera up and a hyperlapse and I hyperlapsed for 45 minutes, just kind of ignored my camera, did a little hyperlap loop and, and, um, but I ignored the, I ignored the camera. I was out of camera. And all I did was sit in the same spot and actually zenned out. I did a little, folded my hands on my lap and, and didn't move and watched the world go by. And, and, and like you, Chris, uh, I, I was assessing, I wonder what they do for a living. I wonder why she's doing that and he's doing that. I wonder if they've got kids. I wonder if they travel. I wonder how many languages they talk. And, you know, as an NYPD, uh, you would probably... Uh, sometimes it's referred to as profiling. I More or less, I think of it as building a rapid story about someone in order to get in front of not the problem, but in front of my curiosity so that I can start rapidly building it out in, you know, uh, half a second or a second. And uh, it's not that I'm right all the time, but what I did learn to do in the military was uh, rapidly assess who's in front of me, either through an optic or through a naked eye, and build a rapid story in a rapid, um, 
we'll call it profile, in order to start building out potential outcomes or building out, are they going to move left? Are they going to move right? Are they going to stand still? Are they going to squat? Are they going to get on comms? What are they going to do? And it's not that as I sat there in Malacca, I was, I was, you know, categorizing who's a problem and who isn't. I simply view the world in a way that maybe not a lot of people do, except for my buddies who were in the same game as I was. And I know for sure they do because we talk about it. Uh, and maybe there's other people out there that aren't in the same professions as you were, Chris, or I was, Chris, or, or you, Chance. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a natural human instinct. So if it is a natural instinct, I don't think it becomes obvious or a split-second profile build-out unless you get to work. You start doing your homework. You start practicing it. You start asking yourself the question, what is this person's story? Bam. What is that person's story? Bam. And that bam can take 30 seconds as you look for all of the nuances as you're first starting off the game. But many decades later, I, and again, I'm not saying I get it right every time. I won't even give a number of the percentage. I don't know. It doesn't matter. What does matter is in the blink of an eye, I profile someone. And it's not that um, I'm doing it for ill will or I'm, I'm, I'm doing it for wrong. I just do it because I not only like it, 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 it it's, and it's not entertaining. It's just a thing that I've been doing for so long that I love people watching. So again, to your point, Chris, uh, when it comes to airport layovers or sitting on the sidewalk, sitting in a coffee shop, walking down a mall, I'd rather lean against a, a mall wall and watch people walk by me and, 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 and just look for the granularity in them in order for me to kind of absorb their story, if you will. Um, and so uh, now, Chance, you had asked about, you know, your, your son, six years old, off to the bathroom, and you want to apply that parental, um, sort of almost maternal, uh, not control, but uh, wanting, wanting to keep them safe. Um, I think there, there's a way to do that, to let the, the little knucklehead run off to the bathroom and feel independent and adventurous. And he's out there slaying that dragon all by himself as he runs down the uh, mall or saunters down the mall or sticks his greasy nose up against the candy floss uh, window, whatever the case is. I think there's a way to do that without being a goof. And you can just say, all right, uh, meet me back here in five minutes. Here's, here's the deal. You'll meet me here. The moment that we lose sight of each other, you'll always come back to where we were both together. So no matter what, whenever we separate, we always meet back where we both were. It's a simple little plan. It works on patrol bases. It works on mission. It works on all kinds of things. If you're both jumping off the ramp of a CC-130 and you both flippity-flop the wrong way, no problem. You're going to meet up where you were supposed to meet up on the ground stick to the plan and the plan can be really simple you can enable your six-year-old with a simple all right i'll meet you right there don't take too long so uh you put it on them to deliver rather than you kind of constraining them into that tight little framework of all right here's the deal mission briefing situation mission execution service and support command and six you don't have to do that just a quick give them the power to be able to do what is is good for the team i find works best yeah and that's that's come through perspective right like you you have the it doesn't come through perspective it comes through the experience of doing it i guess incorrectly multiple times i would imagine or through the, the uh and this is the thing is basically what i did was that i said okay well i'm gonna wait right here i'll be here for when you go and uh if you get distracted or anything like that come back here always right here and he ran off and did it but there was this I, I had to really rein myself in from wanting to control the situation and it, that uh, the perspective that I took in that was the fact that he's got to be able to do these things on his own and I have to not do things for him otherwise he's never going to gain the perspective that he can do things on his own and I think that's a, it's an interesting point in the fact that if we don't if we don't allow 
ourselves, A, to make mistakes or allow others to make mistakes, then we never really gain that perspective. So I'm wondering if, am I on base with that? Or do you think that it's uh, off kilter? Chris, what do you think? Oh, hundred percent. Uh, you know, people, I, again, I'm just using myself as an example, but I think as a general uh, consensus that you, if you don't have failure, you can't appreciate success and you don't realize that the failure actually helps you get better because most people learn from their mistakes. Unfortunately, there's quite, there's a big segment of society that, that doesn't seem to learn from their mistakes. But I think most most uh, goodwill people learn from their mistakes uh, in terms of morality, in terms of their job, uh, in terms of whatever kind of profession they're in. I wanted to touch back, if I can, with what Sean was saying about, you know, looking at people, engaging people. You know, I I did interview and interrogation, and I build a I build a psychological and behavioral snapshot of people immediately and you know when you're out on the target you have very limited time restraints uh in terms of how you're going to effectively apply any kind of skill set uh you know when you're in a traditional law enforcement environment you know you're in a static environment you have a lot of ability to reach out to different metrics but when it's just you and and the other person the bad guy i'm just using myself as as an example um you hear the voice i'm sure we've all heard the voice like there's something that you get a gut feeling about this person that he's either telling the truth and he's good, or there's something that I can't quantify or identify that he's bad. And there's something there. And I'll just use this as another example. If you've gone to weddings and I'm sure we've all been to, uh, at this age, you know, several social functions, weddings, and you're sitting around a table and you kind of gel with people and you try and make interesting conversation. And then there's this one person could be a guy, could be a girl for me. A lot of times it's mostly guys. I don't really pay too much attention to the women because I don't perceive them as a threat. Uh, there'll be something off about the person. I've never met him. I don't know anything about the person. And then a year later, or maybe even sooner, I find out, yeah, he was cheating on his wife or he got arrested for tax evasion or whatever. And I told my wife and my wife would be like, you were right. You know, she'll be the one to tell me like, oh, you remember that that person? So and so. And I'm like, so I, I try not to apply that in a social setting, but unfortunately I can't let it go because if I let it go, then I'm not going to get it back. I'm afraid that I won't get it back because I do believe it is a perishable skill set. Absolutely. Sean, thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, Chris is right. I mean, <laughs> you both have to gang up against me to make as many mistakes as I have. I mean, it's ridiculous the amount of mistakes that I've made. And that's that I, I, I've said it before, I pursue failure now rather than pursue success. Success will show up eventually, but I love kind of failing. It's not that I set myself up for failure, but I just chase things so hard that I, I know it's just going to be like one million fails in the next uh, X amount of time. And it doesn't bug me at all. I'm used to it now. And um, and, and I think, it as, as I've said before in the podcast, uh, I, it might have been when we had Tim Turner on, but um, the, my army sniper course, not my special operations sniper course, two radically different things. My army sniper course was just, it was a palm slap every single second upside the head of failure after failure after failure. Not big failures that, um, that removed me from the pipeline, but enough failures that sometimes I didn't even know if I was going to be there the next day. Like, I mean really concerning moments where you're you're going to you're hitting the rack at night pretty fatigued wondering like if you're going to be doing the the kit bag drag the next morning and uh and, and i think that's good for well it was good for me for sure uh it taught me not to stress failure or stress about failure quite as much as uh, i had pre that course but then before that course i, I was things kind of come to me pretty naturally. I, um, I was, I, maybe I'm lucky or whatever, I don't know, but uh, I don't, I wasn't failing as much as a lot of people around me. But when that course came down, uh, it came down like a freaking anvil on my head. And uh, man, it, it, it was, uh, it was a wild ride uh, that I felt like I was hanging on by my fingernails. And uh, that taught me a lot about failure it taught me a lot about myself and it taught me how to get better at accepting failure and uh and and so now that i'm i'm easier to accept failure um i kind of pursue it pretty hard it doesn't mean that i want to lose because i'm and 
a relentless competitor. As I think I said in uh, yesterday's uh, or last night's uh, uh, podcast with uh, to Mike, uh, man, freaking bring it, boys. Like if you want to start designing the very best Frisbee in the world right now and we've got 24 hours, I'm going to smash on you guys. I'm going to totally smoke you on the Frisbee design. I don't know how to design Frisbees, but I have a competitive nature. So I don't mind getting after it and I don't mind failing. And I suppose those two combined or joined at the hip can take you a lot of places. Yeah. Chris, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah. I'm just going to echo what, uh, what Sean is saying, you know, uh, uh, just from a book perspective, trying to get my book out, I can't even tell you how many letters and emails and phone calls and uh, non-responses I got from people in the literary realm. And it's not something I have any familiarity with. And uh, it took me 10 years to get published. So when you talk about failure, and getting smashed in the face. Uh, you know, I have a lot of experience with that. You know, you get a million no's, they say, before you get your first yes. And uh, so, again, getting back to appreciating things and, and perspective, you know, I wasn't pr- pursuing failure, but I became more accepting of it when people didn't return my phone calls and didn't say, yeah, we were not interested in in, uh, in publishing you or even speaking to you. And uh, I'll just relate one story uh, on a personal level. I was involved with a, uh, a writer and uh, this went on, this relationship went on for about two years. And then suddenly I get a, a text message. We're no longer interested in the project. I won't mention his name because the show is a, a, on a positive upper level. But the point of the story is I'm sitting in the in my recliner chair feeling sorry for myself. I had, a, you know, uh, text, texted my wife and told her about, you know, my disappointment. And my son comes up to me and he, you know, s- sees me sitting there. And I'm quiet. It's not like I'm boohooing or anything. And then he says... Dad, you can't quit. You know, you said two people that, that don't quit, Marines and the Strums, and you can't quit. So with that, I, I you know, I was like, holy smokes. And I'm, he's, he's probably about 10 years old at this point in his life when he said that to me. And sure enough, I made a phone call and uh, I get I get I don't even want to go too far down the road, but I get a phone call and the person actually calls me back. And then uh, so th- kudos to my son for telling me, get up, you know, and 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 don't quit and things like that. So but perspective success and failure i like that the uh it, it's interestingly i find this interesting that very young children can have a very excellent perspective on things that adults don't have right and there's lots of examples of times where uh my kids have mentioned something to me from a completely different perspective and i'm wondering if it uh, might just be a height thing <laughs> maybe they're looking up at things differently or but the the concept is that you know if the three of us have similar backgrounds, right? You have military, service, all these things. But we're all coming from different realms. We're all looking at the world through our own perspective, which is going to be slightly different. And I guess really what I'm wondering is, is there anything that, was there a point in time that skewed your perspective and to a degree that you had to like, I, okay, this is totally wrong. I need to readjust my, my thought patterns and reset restart kind of deal because um, <clears throat> there's been a number of times that I thought I knew what I was doing and then I got shown that I did not know what I was doing and had to completely reset re-engage from uh from like a baseline position have there been any points in times where your perspective was challenged to that degree that you had to really reset the baseline and kind of start over Chris I'm gonna come back to you what do you think I think so. You know, I spent uh, almost five years on and off in the UAE, uh, primarily in Abu Dhabi and, and parts parts of the time in Dubai. And, uh, you know, I I thought I was culturally aware with with the with the Arab people and and the Muslim faith and things like that. And that being there with people uh, interacting with these people and um, learning about their culture and, and their friendly nature and their level of intelligence uh, that totally changed my perspective because I, again, I am watching the news and a lot of it is very negative. And then when you get immersed in with people like that and you're there for an extended period of time, I wasn't there five years continuously, but on and off for over five years, um, you learn a lot about the Arab culture, you learn a lot about their customs and their practices and, and they're learning from you as well. And then there's a genuine one when it shifts from a professional relationship to a personal relationship where you're you know, having coffee with these people out of off work, you know, in a, in a social setting, you know, you really learn a lot. And and I think that changed my perspective a lot in terms of, 
you know, their culture and, and my my and my lack of cultural awareness to the to the Arab culture. Absolutely. Sean, thoughts on this one? Yeah, I dig that. Um, and Chris is right on point as far as I'm concerned. Uh, taking this vacation just as a case study, uh, a month in Malaysia, which is generally speaking considered the melting pot of uh, Southeast Asia. It uh, is is really full of many ethnicities and religions and all of the good stuff. And um, we've been exposed to so much. Uh, <laughs> this is a crazy little side tangent, but a couple nights ago, uh, my wife and I, we've walked through, I don't know, we've been doing a lot of walking through this country and several cities, and uh, we've passed by several hundred um, uh, reflexology or massage spas uh, that uh, some of them I, I don't think are super legit and uh, you know based on the girls that are out front who are saying hi sweetie you want uh, to come in for a foot massage and so there's a lot of uh, places like that uh, throughout the area and it's it's been fun to walk past all of them and think not a chance uh, but finally, we'd walk, or I'd walk by past so many, and so had my wife, that we decided we were going to get after it and, and engage in uh, some reflexology. But we wanted to go to a, like a legit one. And um, we just happened to, uh, the night prior to that, we'd gone out to a cooking class. So a uh, three and a half hour cooking class with uh, some locals in Malacca. And uh, it was a, we paid for the experience, as it were. Uh, we hung out in their kitchen. The uh, lady who was teaching the cooking class, her name is Tina. Uh, she was running the show, and, and I've been cooking for about 30 years, and I'm pretty handy in the kitchen. It's not that I'm an amazing cook, but I do all right. And uh, I learned things from her, just just her cooking. Uh, I learned things that uh, I should I should have known, uh, but I didn't, and that's because she was coming at it from a different cooking culture, but also... She, I, I'm not going to say she's a professional chef, but she takes her cooking serious. And uh, I don't think of myself as a professional, and I try to do my best, but maybe I need to do better uh, after uh, paying attention to Tina. So um, towards the end of the cooking class, uh, she said, hey, do you want to join us tomorrow afternoon? Uh, come out for lunch with us. We're going to go out to, to the countryside for a drive. And... Uh, the two of you, uh, my wife, Doreen, and I, you're both invited to come along for a drive and uh, come out for lunch with us. And it was just a, it was then we were kind of being treated like family, like friends. Uh, there was no fee involved. There was no favors involved. It was just a, a really genuine offer to come on out and hang out with them. Uh, they enjoyed hanging out with us. We enjoyed hanging out with them. So off we went for this uh, little trip and uh, had a great biryani and uh, had a few laughs and all that good stuff. And as we were driving back into Malacca, uh, we're just before we got dropped off at our hotel, uh, um, we asked, hey, listen, is there a spot around here that is super freaking legit, that is really just reflexology, that uh, we can go and, and eyeball? And she said, oh, yeah, there's one just right up here. That's the place that I go to. That one's got a good reputation, et cetera. So I said, cool, thanks. We checked it out a little bit later, and right on the door, there was a sticker that said, no hanky-panky, right by the door handle. So we thought, okay, you know, this, this, this could be good. So we went in, and uh, my wife and I uh, did this uh, reflexology thing, and it was 60 minutes long. And... Um, the, the girl who was, when I watched her walk in, and you know, the room's dark, my wife's right next to me, there's a whole bunch of chairs, but it was just uh, my wife and I. She walks in, it's pretty dark, and, and she's Muslim, and uh, she's she's got the headdress on, and, you know, uh, I'm thinking, ah, this is going to be easy peasy, you know, there's no way she's going to bring the heat. Well, I don't know, man, I consider myself to be a pretty tough guy, and uh you know, if we want to talk about the Brazilian jiu-jitsu mats, I've been on them eight years and I've done a boatload of other things, but I came within a hair about 147 times of tapping out. And at, at one point, and not too long into it, maybe 10 minutes into it, I had to go like into a mindset that was, you will never break me. There is nothing you can do that is ever going to break me. I will never tap out. <laughs> she had the death hands of steel like 
twisting railway ties sort of strong. I don't think it turned into a game, to be honest, where she was trying to break me and I wasn't going to break. So uh, it was a great experience. And that's what our trip has been throughout the entire month, bumping into cultural uh, sort of, huh, did that just happen or what? He said, what, huh? They do what, huh? That's cool. My, my month in Malaysia wasn't just a month. It was like almost a decade of cool experiences and eye-opening uh, moments that was a year's worth only because I was fully engaged with everyone who was around me. If you moved half an inch, I was target locking you and I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to engage with them. I wanted to, I wanted to do a knuckle bump or say, hey, what do you recommend? Or how's your day? Or where are you from? Or do you have kids? It didn't matter who they were. If they moved, I was right on it, but not on it like a goof. I was on it like just trying to be cool with them so that we could be cool together. And so I think that's a real important part to uh, make a long story short. Chris had said in five years over in uh, UAE and Dubai, etc. Five years can be a month worth of experience for some people who kind of just go there for five years, only go out to their office, then go straight back to their air conditioned apartment where everything is taken care of in the gated community. They never get out. They never hang out. They never bang with the locals. They never do anything cool with other cool people who can teach them so much more about life and richness to our lives. So you get a binary moment. You either get in the game or you're hiding in your air conditioned space and not enjoying the richness of life. So five years for Chris was probably 20 years for some people in that respect. So perspective is not just a timeline. Perspective is who you are in the timeline, as far as I'm concerned. I really love that actively seeking perspective. I really like that. Chris, you got any thoughts on any of that? No, I think Sean pretty much encapsulated. I mean, it's, you know, and again, a lot of it is is personality driven. There are some people that are introverted, so it's harder for them to interact with people. Obviously, we, we've all met people that are shy. Um, and, you know, it, it's funny. I, I try to engage those people, but not over the top engagement like, hey, you know, try and make them feel more comfortable so that they do participate in the conversation if it's in a social setting and things like that. But there's just some people that that's that's just who they are. They're not they're not going to change. But for me. Um, you know, once, once I get going, I'm, I'm more like along the lines of Sean, I, I like learning things like that. I love talking to people. And, you know, when you, and again, when I was young, listen, when I was a young cop, it was my way or the highway as they, as they say, and I was very firm and coming out of the Marine Corps, I was very, very firm with people, you know, as you get older, your perspective and the way you interact and you hopefully your communication skills got better. I'd like to think mine got better. And uh, you do a better job of interacting, and but your perspective has to change. And for me, I'm speaking personally. If you can't change your perspective and your mindset, and be accepting of other people and cultures, oh, I think he froze up. The uh, yeah, I think he's frozen up. The we'll get him back on here in a second. Here, um, I I really do like that point, and I was kind of going to get to that realm. Is that you know, when you're when you're actively seeking, um, when you're actively seeking perspective. It comes from a place of confidence, versus a place of. Um, I'm trying to think of the word for it right now, but it's not a big deal. The um, the big one, at least for me, was the fact that when I first gained perspective to be able to engage with other people and to be able to start podcasting or advocating or doing any of those other things, came from a place of being comfortable with who I was. Prior to being comfortable to who I was, I did not have the ability to hang out with people. I didn't have the ability to be in the moment to really engage in those conversations to, to develop that level of perspective to be able to look at uh, a room full of people and just that dude, I'm gonna engage with that guy. Hey, man, what's up versus uh, sitting in the back wall, not engaging and not gaining any perspective as well. So that's uh, it's it's a great point that he brought up right up until he froze. <laughs> Sean, you got any uh, thoughts on that at all? Yeah, I agree, man. I mean, you got to be able to read the room, and uh, you 
and and you also got to know why you're there so you know to your point sometimes i just want to lean against a wall and not be bothered because the room doesn't the room doesn't engage me or i don't want to engage the room more correctly and if it's the right room then i could spend the rest of my life in it but if it's the wrong room i just want to bounce and so and it's and rooms shouldn't be homework like you shouldn't uh, walk into a room and think, I've got to be here for four hours. Are you kidding me? Um, but sometimes that's the case. And so you've got to find a way not to amuse yourself or entertain yourself, but gain something from it. And I got to say that sometimes it ain't that easy, depending on the room. But I think there's a way to do it. And, you know, it, sometimes I treat it almost like homework. I got to get better at these things. And... Uh, I'm a handful, so it doesn't mean that uh, I've got everything figured out because I surely don't. I've only got a little bit figured out, but that little bit is usually enough in the right room that I could spend the rest of my life in it. And so um, I, I think that uh, between you and I, Chance, for sure, uh, we're certainly getting better at this whole podcasting thing. We're certainly getting better at reading the room. You definitely are. I mean, and not just in a way that uh, you really sucked at one point and, and now you're just freaking amazing. But I see, I've seen your growth in these moments. Like just you're so much more casual now. You're, you're, not, uh, you're, you're not trying to um, be anything that you're not. You're just kind of relaxing into not your role, but you're relaxing into who you are at this moment. And, you know, uh, a year from now, maybe we'll just both be relaxed into who we are a year from now. Uh, and whatever that'll be, I think it's going to be a better version of both you and I. So uh, I think that it's really important what you've been saying recently in uh, recent podcasts that you're now starting to figure out that you don't have to be anything that you're not. You can just kind of let it go uh, authentically and naturally and not stress it. Just as you did like a couple of minutes ago where you couldn't think of the word. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you couldn't think of it. Like, who cares, man? You just casually let the moment go and didn't get all, uh, you know, pedantic uh, twirly and starting to come up with new bow-fangled words that are unimportant. Uh, you just kind of let it go and, and it's no biggie. Uh, but there was a time not too long ago where that would have been a biggie and it wouldn't have been a death spiral, but it, it wouldn't have been pretty. Uh, but now it's just, it's cool, man. I, I dig seeing it uh, from you. And I, I think that uh, it's important that uh, both of us recognize that for sure we're, we have more perspective on podcasting. Uh, we have more perspective on how this whole thing is supposed to flowing McFlow. So I think it's good, man. Yeah, I agree. The, uh, it was interesting. <clears throat> I've been doing the, um, and now I can't think of the word either, <laughs> the layouts for the YouTube channel on all of the different pieces there. And as I've been going through it, because I have, I'm starting at day one, right? Actually D minus three is where I started on this. And I've been working my way through all the thumbnails, there's the word for it, um, <clears throat> through all the thumbnails to get up to where we are now. And so it's been giving me a point in time to to look back at every single one of these shows, at all the guests we've had, at all the different times, different pieces that we have, you know, added on to the collective of, okay, well, now we're going to try this. Oh, that didn't work. We're going to put it off to the side. Try this. Oh, that works. Okay. And then we'll just bolt it in. And uh, it's really developed in this great... Um, <clears throat> this you know what we are today um but yesterday as i was going through all of them one of the big pieces i was working on was men's mental health month and the amount of stuff that we w went through just that month the amount of people that we talked to um and then it clicked in my head that may 21st was the last time you and i had a show just together so we've had guests on since oh may wow that's 21st. right <laughs> yeah yeah that's because i was hassling you i kept saying get some guests get some freaking guests let's slap some guests 100 percent. and the uh this was the the benefit was the fact that since then and i we have not missed a day yet and it has been fantastic because it's developed the show more we've had to engage new people i've had to bring people in that i wouldn't had previously it it forced me to expand not only my 
you know, my reach and expand the network and try to bring more people in, but it's expanded my perspective as to who we want to talk to, how we engage with those people. And then of course, reps, <laughs> reps, 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 reps. Yeah, I'm just continually doing more and more and more. It's been, uh, it's been quite the ride. I'm hoping that uh, Chris will be able to join us again, but uh, he his internet looks like it died completely, and he probably won't be able to make the rest of the uh, the show, which is okay because he made it through most of it. That's, That's okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you know why it's okay because uh, it, it's it's kind of interesting to just have one guest on because uh, the guest, you know, there, there's a lot of ground covered with just one guest. It's not that you know it was starting to get boring get out of here he didn't get left hooked off of the stage but i mean i, I like the dude i could have talked with him for a boatload more time but um it, it is interesting with just one guest on how much ground can be covered or more correctly how i think how much i can learn from just one guest uh i it feels like i'm absorbing two hours worth of information from one guest versus having two three or four guests on you know what i mean Absolutely. The, um, one of the pieces that I noticed when, you know, I try to get three people at, at a pretty standard pace, consistently having three guests on and, um, two works pretty well. And one, I find it's a more intimate conversation, if that makes sense, because it's just the three of us and you're right. We cover a lot of ground and we can engage back and forth and there's a lot more, um, direct conversation whereas with the panels you know sometimes you're, you're waiting 10 15 minutes before it comes back around and there's chris right there he's back he made it Damn. well not without some technical assistance from my son <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta i gotta tell you i live in the woods and uh we just got cable like two years ago i know that sounds crazy we had dsl and the fact that sean is able to communicate halfway around the world and not have an internet problem is really disappointing for me. I'm just, again, <laughs> failure, you know, <laughs> self-respect. Yeah. This is it. And this isn't, uh, today his internet is holding, which is good. Uh -huh. There have been a number of days where his internet has not held out. <laughs> I mean, last night, our, there's a whole bunch of travel things that got involved with uh, yesterday's and and at one point I was doing the live chat podcast in the back of a taxi I mean it was ridiculous oh uh, and then uh, a couple nights prior to that the entire hotel Wi-Fi and data stream hammered in on both my laptop and my cell phone so I just grabbed my light grabbed my phone ran out of the hotel in my bare feet and planted my butt down in clear sky. And, and I was doing a, a live chat from like next to a tree. And so listen, <laughs> I've had a few failures. <laughs> yeah. We were, while you were, uh, while you were getting yourself sorted and back on the show, we were just discussing that. And the fact that, you know, a lot of the times, especially with the, the podcast itself is we've had to just on the fly a lot because it's live because of all these other things and the uh, the ability to just kind of flow is a perspective in and of itself and the ability to just to kind of like let go and let's see what happens and i, I right. really i really love it but uh we are almost at time here any other thoughts before while you <laughs> when you froze or anything else that uh <laughs> popped up in your head I while you're trying to get back on no i just i appreciate you guys having me on the show and i think it was a really interesting conversation and uh uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad we all, we finally worked out our schedules and this, we were able to make it happen. I appreciate you uh, extending the invitation to me. Oh, absolutely. This has been a very fun chat. I'm going to get you back on and this hopefully we'll make it through the whole show. Yeah, I, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Sean, you got any, uh, any final thoughts or anything? Uh, yeah, Chris, uh, thanks for being cool during the conversation. Thanks for coming back into the podcast. Just like cool as a cucumber like not even a drop of sweating on you you know you, you <laughs> and that one like a champ and and you know what that's that's perspective brother that that is that is the mark of a seasoned veteran in life where you you know when things start falling apart or the wheels start coming off the bus you can still hang on to the steering wheel and drive it safely down the highway i dig that man it shows character so uh, that's cool Appreciate thanks that. for being Thank on the show much, that's very nice of you to say absolutely the uh now 
I, I've been neglecting, I've been so involved in the conversation, I've been neglecting some of the comments. So I'm just going to run through these real quick and then uh, we'll, we'll shut her down for the, for the morning. So Lisa jumps in here. Good morning, everybody. Vanessa, good morning. Good to see you. Max Sydney jumps in. Afternoon, folks. Happy to see you've come to realize the EU time zone is the best. Well, that, there's stories between that. But yeah, the, uh, <laughs> uh, Lisa jumps in here and said, it would be great if you could turn it off. Interesting. You were all talking about this this, this morning. I was reading about how our brains can't turn off. They just constantly run. Absolutely. Very fascinating stuff. We should, we should dive into that. That's a good topic. I think I'll add it to the list. Um, and then uh, she's got a bunch of other ones here. She says, I love listening to all your stories, and uh, you guys are amazing. So loving this. It's going to be awesome. I don't have much to add to the final except for this. Learn what your perspective is, and then actively seek out new perspectives to then build onto yours, which allows you to grow. And you can do that with us every day here on The Collective. We'll see you all tomorrow. Gmail. Gmail.